Welcome to Raw the Podcast with Amy and Grecian, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity. We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life, special needs and infant loss, to those everyday mum struggles we all feel. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other mamas feel less alone. I'm Amy, special needs and medical mama to Premier Boys James and Jack. I'm the founder of my own small business and support network, Miracle Mama, where I advocate fiercely for the infertility, Premier and special needs community. And I'm Grecian, mama of four girls, including two full-termers, Adeline and Macy, and a set of Premier twins, Hannah and Riley, born at 25 weeks. I'm an IVF warrior and am passionate about sharing the unfiltered ups and downs of motherhood. We don't share your average mama stories, and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief and trauma. I mean, let's be honest, we've been through more shit than some could even imagine, so at this point we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. And lastly, let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. It's a place to have real and raw conversations, ask those questions that may be playing on your mind, and above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles bring to our lives, and we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, we are forever a part of something truly special, a community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm, and together we'll roar. Hey everyone, it's Amy. Thanks for being here again and thank you so much for your support over the past week. Gosh, you've all just welcomed Grecian with huge open arms and we've got a number of new listeners here too, which is just so heartwarming and exciting. So thank you for being here for the raw ride. Um, I'm really looking forward to having Grecian here for her first episode in a couple of weeks. It gets a little lonely introducing these episodes on my own. Um, You've probably seen that Grecian and I have both had a really big week with sickness. Um, It's been a little rough, (laughs) but we've managed to change over the podcast artwork and the bios and you would have just heard that we've recorded our new intro too. So it's all happening Okay, so as mentioned last week, today I'm chatting with Jade, mama of three darling children, two girls, Millie and Ella, and their little brother, Toby, who devastatingly left his earthly body at six months old after being born prematurely and enduring a long, brave fight in the NICU. I want to firstly give a bit of a trigger warning to our listeners. Please note that we do talk about some sensitive and taboo topics in this episode, including child loss, bereavement and grief. Please take care of yourselves and make sure you turn this podcast off if it causes distress. So in saying that, I want to give a huge shout out to Jade for her courage in chatting with me. If there was ever anyone that represented the raw community, it's Jade. Um, Jade opens up about the lead up to Toby's premature birth, followed by his long turbulent NICU journey, where in just six months she became an expert and advocated so hard until the end, leaving no stone unturned. 
Jade bravely talks us through the day Toby passed, options for after death, and how she fought through all the uncomfortable moments and said yes to the things that were hard. I hold Jade in such a high regard, and I just think that her courage in coming on and talking about the things she did is so inspiring. And I encourage you guys, as you're listening, to remember this. Death is a topic that no one wants to talk about, and it might not be comfortable, but it's so important to break the taboo and to do better in this space. There's a quote by Elizabeth Edwards that fits perfectly here. If you know someone who has lost a child and you're afraid to mention them because you think you might make them sad by reminding them that they died, you're not reminding them. They didn't forget they died. What you're reminding them of is that you remembered that they lived, and that is a great gift. This episode is dedicated to you, Toby. We will never stop saying your name. Welcome, Jade. So lovely to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I put a little sneak peek that you were going to be our guest on the pod this week and I had so many people actually be like, oh my God, I love Jade. I can't wait to hear from oh, her. So. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. I did listen to that. I heard it at the end and the girls were in the car and they heard it and they're like, oh, that's you. That's us. She said our names and they were so excited. Yes. <laughs> They thought they were being interviewed. Yeah. We could have got them on. I'm sure they would have been great. (laughs) They probably would. So, yeah, you seem to be very popular in the community already. You've obviously shared your journey quite openly on Instagram. And um, I think you're very brave and courageous for coming on and speaking with me today. So thank you. I know it's coming up to a year since Toby passed. um, So I'm sure the memories from this time a year ago and the grief must be quite a heavy weight for you to carry. Uh, I think you're incredible. And I know Toby would be so proud of you for sharing your story. So we'll start, I always say we'll start at the beginning. Um, So Toby spent his whole life in hospital. So 204 days to be exact before he passed. Yeah. Unfortunately, this was also during the peak of COVID in Victoria, which made it extremely difficult. And from what I understand, your girls only got to meet him a couple of times. Um, I joked with Grecian last week about how it's impossible to summarise Nick you. Yeah. <laughs> which it is. <laughs> but um, can you tell us about Toby, the battles he fought and your personal experience with this turbulent journey after previously having two full-term babies? Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, it was obviously a huge shock to the system. A um, shock, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, both girls were born term and I, obviously we just went straight home like after a couple of days. Um, I did actually have the same issue in my pregnancy with Millie that I had with Toby. So the whole reason uh, he was born early was because I had a subchorionic hemorrhage. Um, yep. So I started bleeding uh, I think it was at 10 weeks I had my first bleed. And with wow. Millie, I had yep. the same thing, which was actually at five weeks. Um, but it norm, and this is what normally happens with them. They're actually quite common. Um, you yeah. just have like a little bleed or they might, pe- you might not even bleed at all. And they pick it up on the scan and then the body reabsorbs it and it yeah. goes away and there's no issue, yeah. which is exactly what happened with Millie. So when it happened this time, I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, no big deal. It's fine. That'll yeah. resolve yep. and go away. Unfortunately, by 13 weeks, when I went to have my 13-week scan and just check on the bleed as well, um, it had grown substantially instead of starting to shrink. And mm. I remember I got home and I was looking at the um, photos that they gave me on a USB and there was a measurement on the in the corner of one of the photos and it was like 12 centimetres by like 8 by 5 or something like that. So quite large. And I thought, oh, yeah. that must be like my uterus measurement. 
because the crown to rump was only 7.9 centimetres. And then later that afternoon, I got a phone call from my midwife because I was actually planning to have a home birth as well. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like so, so far from that. But, yeah. um, and that actually ended up being the measurements of my hemorrhage. So the, wow, the hemorrhage was bigger insane. than Toby was at the time. Yeah. Um, it was Gosh. 250 mil capacity, like a volume of blood sitting in my uterus. Um, Holy crap. Yeah, it was massive. So from then I realized how serious this now was. Um, And I went on to like light duties, like I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to bend or pick things up. Um, Yeah. And just had to take it kind of easy, try, you know, try not to be on my feet too much. But obviously I had two children. So, yeah. And I'm 13 weeks pregnant. Like I'm thinking, you've got a long way to go. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, I always laughed when they tell you to um, yeah, go on bed rest when you've got ki- other kids. Mm, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, literally it's, it's near impossible. Um, mm. So, yeah, and then se- 17 weeks came and they did another scan and um, it had started to clot because it, it was just liquid blood before and then it had started to clot, which they said is good. That's what you want to happen. So we're like, okay, it's starting to head in the right direction. It had shrunk by like a few mils, so hardly anything, but still in the right direction. Yeah. And then um, at 19 weeks, and all this time we were in lockdown as well, um, at 19 weeks we'd finally come out of lockdown and I'd sent the girls to my parents for a sleepover for the night because we really had been quite a handful at the time and I was really struggling with that plus everything else. Um, And we thought we'll go out for dinner, we'll have a date night, have a breather, you know, it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. Anyway, um, right as we were meant to sort of be leaving for dinner, Harley was like five minutes up the road coming home. I was on the phone to him to see where he was and I started bleeding. And I was like, oh, I better go check what colour it is because if it's like a darker red, it's not fresh, so we don't have to worry as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if it's bright, obviously, that's more concerning. So I went to the yeah. toilet and it just kept dripping, like like a tap on, not dripping, but like a trickle, like a slow run. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and so I quickly rang my midwife. I was like, what do I do? And she's like, okay, just pack a bag, get ready to go to hospital. If it gets worse yeah. or you feel like you're not going to make it to hospital, call an ambulance because we're like over an hour from the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just kept gushing and it got worse and worse and it was just gushing and gushing to the point I'd put a pad on right then and it was already overflowing and going all over my pants and so we called an um, ambulance and took them 20 minutes to get to me, which is actually fast considering where we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were like... The longest it. 20 minutes yeah. of your life. <laughs> I, I knew that a risk for having the big hemorrhage was a placental abruption. So I was yeah. freaking out that I was having a placental abruption That's and either so stressful. my baby was going to die or I was going to die or we are both going to die. <laughs> so I was... Yeah and um they called a helicopter so I got choppered to the women's in the city yeah it was rather exciting um yeah (laughs) Harles couldn't come because of COVID of course what a date night hey yeah never got the date night (laughs) well actually we did in hospital with with Uber Eats (laughs) so many of my guests have had the same story where they'd had a planned um night out or had a day without the kids or you know if they've left the hospital to have some them time that something's happened I swear the universe sometimes is just like nah you're not doing that yes no you're not (laughs) did you think you were gonna have a date night how about no how dare you yeah (laughs) so yeah I spent a week in hospital um and the bleeding settled 
And then I went back to my parents' place to stay there because they're a bit closer to help. Um, And of course, the night I went, I left hospital, I started bleeding profusely again. Um, But it wasn't like bright, bright red. So I just kind of stuck it out. And I like had a, I had a big maternity pad on and in less than three hours I was leaking out everywhere all over the bed. So I was like, yeah, okay. a lot. Not, yeah. yeah, a lot of bleeding. Um, yeah. and then this went on for two weeks and I started in that time also having really painful contractions. Um, but I wasn't dilating. So it was just like irritation from the bleeding in the uterus. Um, and then I went to a, an appointment with the OB because I'd obviously been transferred to hospital care by this point and was, yeah. no, was no longer yeah. having a home birth. Um, yeah. And they were like, we want you to have a planned admission. You, you need to be in hospital. Um, yeah. So I think I was, I think it was just shy of viability. I was like 22 weeks or something. Okay. Um, yeah. Approaching 23 weeks. So yeah, I got admitted um, and I was in hospital for, I think a few days and then I hit 23 week milestone and I was like, you know, sort of celebrating because this is like the beginning of viability kind of thing. Um, But then that night I was up like every, almost every hour changing those full maternity pads again. Mm -hmm. And I said to the midwife, I'm like, something's not right. Like this is so much liquid. Like where is it all coming from? Because I'd had a scan that day. So I knew how big the hemorrhage was and there wasn't that much blood in there. And she's like, oh, it's fine. It's old blood. You know, it just is what it is. And I'm like, nah, something's going on. Mm. Next day, um, the doctors came to scan me and my waters had ruptured and Mm. I had nothing left. And so that's what it was. It was just mixed with blood, which is, you know, why it wasn't super obvious that it was liquid. Um, And yeah, so that was the PPROM was the main thing that caused Toby's, all Toby's issues. Um, yeah. cause it, that obviously is how their lungs develop. They swallow the fluid. It yeah. helps their lungs develop and expand. And whilst I was still producing fluid because it was still, it was, it continued to gush out until it was born. Um, he just obviously wasn't getting enough into his lungs. Yeah. So how long then were you like with, with your waters broken until he came? Um, so that was five weeks and four days. He came at 28 okay. plus four. So I ended up being in hospitals for seven weeks um, total, all up. Yeah, right. yep. yeah. And, yeah, during COVID, didn't get to see the girls very often. Yeah. Um, it, it was really difficult. Yeah. And then, yeah, then he was born because I started having um, – he was having a lot of D cells and he, then his trace was really terrible one day and they were like, okay, we think you're having an abruption it's time to deliver. So they yeah. induced me because I'd had two vaginal births previously. They wanted to try and deliver him vaginally, which I was really happy about because that's what I yeah. wanted. Yeah. Um, but obviously we had to be prepared for it to go south um, yeah. and become a C-section. So I had to have an epidural, which of course didn't work for me mm. <laughs> on one side. I was one of those people. Oh, you've had such a shit run. It was just like, if it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. Gonna Although go wrong. I did have a vaginal birth in the end. So that, that worked out, um, yeah. but he his cord, he did end up having the cord come out um, like prolapse. So okay. it ended up being like an emergency to get him out. And my ob was like, if you're not dilate, fully dilated, we have to go do a C-section immediately. Yeah. 
but he wa- I was, and so she's stuck in the forceps, and I was like, tell me when you're ready, I'll push. And <laughs> yeah. out, out he came. Um, and he, my birth actually wasn't too traumatic, considering I was actually quite happy with how it went. So um, he was one and a half kilos. He was a good size. Good size, um, yeah. Yeah, excellent size. Um, I had advocated for delayed cord clamping, um, which yep. they had – they were happy to do and they popped him on my chest and I got to hold him for a little minute oh, um, and he, he gripped my finger and it was like mm-hmm. the world vanished yeah. um, oh, and then they, then they whisked him away to work on him because he was, yeah, yeah not great. Um, and yeah. I think it took them like over 90 minutes to stabilise him. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, he was in a bad way. So, and I actually ended up having to go and have retained placenta removed and I ended up going under a general so I couldn't go and see him that no, night again either. of course yeah 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 <laughs> oh. so um that was all pretty traumatic yeah coffee in recovery so confused and sorry I was crying before I even opened my eyes because I was just I didn't know what had happened to me because yeah. I was bleeding yeah. and they were like we may have to remove your uterus if we can't stop the bleeding so I was like have oh, I got wow. a uterus is my baby alive what is going yeah. on I was You've so been put to sleep with those emotions so that's yeah. Yeah, generally how you wake up yeah I fell asleep crying so yeah <laughs> I yeah. was not yeah. in a great way when I woke up no, that's awful yeah so that yeah. was hard, but yeah, then, then we began the long, long Niku journey. Um, yes. and yeah, it was, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think I sort of started following your story. I don't know when I sort of found you guys, um, on Instagram, um, did you have any idea what Nikki would be like before you entered, like, had they given you a tour or no, any, nothing. No, you hadn't even had that when you were on bed rest. We no. we just spoken with the neonatologists about you know stats, yeah. um, that kind of thing, okay. and about whether yeah. you know where we wanted to intervene. That was sort of really it. Yeah. So you were going in pretty blind. Yeah, I had a friend yeah. that had um, twins that were in Niku, but. Yeah. I, you know, other than that, and it's, it's just so different. Like, obviously I've seen pictures of babies in the NICU, um, you know, you know about it, but nothing, even that, it, nothing can prepare you for yeah. no. what happens in there. And it's especially going from having two full-term babies. I breastfed, mm. I co-slept, I yeah. baby wore, like I was quite an attachment parent. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a shock for anyone. But then going from that experience to being so removed, yep. it was really like, whoa, okay, I have yep. no control over anything. It's a big contrast to what you yeah, experienced. Huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm grateful and I know I'm lucky that I've had those experiences, you know, in comparison to lots of people, yourself included, haven't had, yeah. you know, the full-term bring the baby home sort of normal experience. Yeah. So I know I'm lucky that I've had those um, but yeah, it was it was a shock. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't take away from what you went through. No, gosh. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So um, initially he was on the oscillator, the ventilator, which is yeah. one of the sort of more extreme ones for really sick babies. Yeah. Um, and he was in 100% oxygen. So <laughs> from the get go, it was not great. Yeah. Um, about maybe 10 days I think no, actually, I actually think it was about 10 or 11 days in um we had a meeting and 
maybe two days before that they'd started him on steroids because he was not improving. Um, yeah. And obviously he had, they had nowhere to go if he declined. So um, we had the meeting and I was completely oblivious. Like I had no understanding of any of it. Nothing meant yeah. anything to me at this point. I was It's a whole new language. Like Yeah. yeah. I, and I was still like just in shock from everything. Um yeah. I was still recovering myself. Like I'd had to have a blood transfusion and you know, was yeah. obviously just exhausted. Um yeah. and yeah, so I I just had no idea. I was just oblivious. I was just like, oh he looks good. He was a good weight. He's gonna be okay. Yeah. And then our our doctor was like he's really not doing that great. Um, we need to get him off this ventilator. We need to bring his oxygen down or like, we've got nowhere to go from here. We don't know if he's going to make it. And I was like, okay, holy shit. <laughs> That's, yeah. I wasn't ready for that. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah. Um, so, and I do not had a cuddle yet. So she was like, well, let's, let's get a cuddle happening. Let's do that today. So we went back to the room and I had my first cuddle, which was, it's so bittersweet because we'd just been given this crappy yeah. news. Um, and also, you know, holding him for the first time was amazing. Well, yeah. you know, first time post birth and, yeah. but was also like, is he going to survive? Um, and then that night, well, sorry, you know, the next morning, like early in the morning, about seven o'clock, I got a call from the NICU and I shit myself. <laughs> as you do understandably yep and I thought oh god seven o'clock in the morning why are they calling me now it can't be good and I will never forget the (laughs) what the nurse said she goes I have some weird but amazing news and I was like okay (laughs) and she goes earlier this morning Toby decided to remove his tube and everyone panicked (laughs) And he did quite well. So he's now oh. on CPAP. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's good. Not the news <laughs> I was great. expecting. Yeah. Oh. No. And I was like, I was just like, oh, wow, what is that's happening? Sense of relief. Yeah. Yeah. And he was doing yeah. better on the CPAP than he was on the oscillator. He was in less oxygen. So, yeah, wow. um, yeah that was like one of our huge milestones that everybody yeah. knew about because everybody yeah. went, oh, no, Toby's removed the tube. And everybody knew how sort of poorly he was. Yeah. And so they all panicked and he actually was like, guys, this is what I need. I don't I was need that say, anymore. It's like he knew what he knew what needed to be done. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I'll show you guys. Yeah. And that was like kind of the narrative from then on. It was Toby will tell us what he needs. What he, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I like to contribute some of that to the cuddle. I feel like the cuddle yes. contributed to him. Oh, yes, absolutely. Need, oh, you know, going, I don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> I had a cuddle oh. with my mum today. I'm getting yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my heart. Um, yeah. That was a big, that was a big one, that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was up and down from then. He was so dependent on steroids. He spent, I think, about three weeks in total and they were separate, like, week-long blocks, yeah. not on steroids. The rest of the time he was yeah. on steroids. Yeah. Um, which is why, for anyone that's seen Toby, knows he's very chubby. Yes. <laughs> but yes. unfortunately, that's not natural baby chunk. That's yeah. steroid chunk. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah he was those so dependent. And those that chin, oh, yeah. Oh, and those the Michelin arms. The little arms, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very delicious. Um, so it was mostly, it was basically all lungs for Toby, wasn't it? Yeah, issues? he, he yeah. was amazing every, like we did yeah. not have all the troubles that 
a lot of NICU babies have. You know, yeah. he had no gastro issues other than reflux. He had terrible reflux, which yeah. of course didn't help his lungs. Yes. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, no, he had no bleeds on his brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. He had no issues with his heart, even with all the lung issues, which often causes heart causes, issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't. It was yeah. quite amazing. Um, yeah. And that, I feel like in the end, that was one of the things that was the hardest it's pill hard. to swallow. Yeah. That he didn't have all these other issues combined with that. Yeah. It wasn't like his whole body wasn't working. Yeah. It was just the lungs. Like if yeah. there was a way to fix that, yeah, he would have been fine. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, like you, he was up until the last minute, he was this happy, bright, oh, yeah, aware, like six-month-old, but he just, yep. yeah, his little lungs were not growing with him. Yeah. No, and it's like the cruelest thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so yeah he his up and downs were all related to oxygen requirements um yeah it was not really anything else yeah because I know there was like they there was sort of all these discussions I mean had lots of discussions about things to try and yeah well I was always the whole way along I was researching everything yeah um I was asking questions like you were such even an things out advocate. of the box. Yeah, yeah. Even though I know, like, I went to the ends of the earth, I still carry so much guilt that I didn't try hard enough because, and I think any lost parent would relate to this, that it doesn't matter how hard you try, how, you know, every, every stone, I turned every rock, I tried every possible thing, but I will always carry guilt that I didn't try hard enough, that I didn't push hard enough. And it's, it may not be known to people. I, I didn't really go into detail about it because I have too much trouble even admitting it to myself that we withdrew care. So yeah. it was a planned removal of his tube um, and I, I carry guilt about that because I kind of feel like you killed them. I'm so proud of you for doing this. That's a decision no parent should ever have to be faced with and it was painfully obvious that you had, you know, you'd advocated so hard and for so long and you'd fought and done everything possible. And Toby had fought to the very end too and he was tired. Um, I just think in that moment yeah. there really wasn't like a positive or another outcome Um I just want to give you a big hug. No. <laughs> I want to hug it's... you through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, it's just it's unbearable. Just, like, it's just, yeah. It's just this, like, even though logically you know that there was no way out of it, yeah. like there was no, there was no happy ending, there wasn't going to be you just can't help but carry this guilt. It just, I think it's, it's almost like, especially in these scenarios, there is no way of avoiding it. It's just with grief comes guilt. It's just, it's just, yeah, yeah they're part yeah. and parcel yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, 
you know, because as parents, we try to do everything we can to protect our children. Yeah, and it's only natural. You know, yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. just in normal scenarios, we carry guilt, like yeah. just daily guilt. So in these unusual situations um where so the stakes further. are high yeah. it's yeah and it's and it can be really hard sometimes when you have like a really griefy day or griefy time that these thoughts pop up and I I know for me personally I have to sort of shove them down and be like no you know you did everything he was in 100% oxygen intubated desatting massively like he wasn't he wasn't saturating anymore um like he had he would have had brain damage and all these things and I have to go back and think about it logically because I know I know that I did everything I could and like even our team were like I was going to say the medical team had done, yeah, like they don't even offer this as an option if they haven't tried and done everything that they possibly can. Yeah, And they said, you know, our particular doctor said he hadn't seen someone advocate as hard as I did for a long time or ever or something like that. So he's like, you just really were pushing every boundary, every limit, Yeah, you know, and yeah, like they said, you left no stone unturned and... I took a lot of comfort in that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you I spent a lot of time, time on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> and you were even like you were reaching out to your followers and to other people to see if like anyone else had ideas or Communicating with yeah. other, other yeah. people in America I was communicating yeah. with because um, there's hospitals over there like Nationwide has a, a bronchopulmonary dysplasia unit yeah. where they specialise in, which is okay. a, another yeah. term for chronic lung disease. Yeah. Um they specialize in it and their vent settings that they use are a bit out of the box. And I found this other woman um, whose daughter was a little bit older than Toby um, and she had a trach, but yeah, was on the vent settings and they, our doctors kind of go, Oh, like that's a bit, the pressure's a bit high and like, it's a bit scary when they don't know what they're doing, but they use these settings with great results. So I was like, while we were kind of, it was probably a little bit late in the game, but I was like, can we put up his pressure? Like his, you know, his peeps not high enough or like. And this fact that you were talking that language, it just shows like how much you'd been through. (laughs) Harley said to me at one point, and this was, yeah, in the last few days of his life. um, And he kept having these massive episodes where everyone was kind of standing around, like going, what do we do? Like the nurses and the doctors too, because there was nothing yeah. else like yeah. he was they were giving him all the support they possibly could and Harley goes I expected to look up and see you like standing there breaking down and he goes you're standing next to the doctors talking about vent settings like you're one of them yeah. and, I was like, and yeah. I was like it just shows like mama bear comes into fight doesn't it like that instinct I, had, yeah. I was in survival mode yeah. I was like I don't have time to break down right now yeah. like this is and you do, you want to fix time. <laughs> what you were trying to fix and find an answer and that's, again, only natural. And, yeah, like you said, I don't think that they probably would have seen a mum like you ever. Which show, it, I, like it just goes to show that, you know, there is there is nothing more that unfortunately could have been done. And I know you'll always carry that guilt, but um, I'm just giving you my, from my point of view, yeah, you you, yeah. you, were, you were incredible during that time, yeah. It was, yeah, it was just unfortunately the way it panned out. And I think it was particularly hard too because he had gotten down to low flow only like a couple of months before that. 
So was there ever an, an explanation for, for that or he just was? Like... Yeah, I, I think it was just, well, so with Toby, and this actually was something that I did want to talk about on here was because obviously a lot of premies have chronic lung disease. So it's very common yeah. in the premie community. Um, with Toby, he didn't just have chronic lung disease. He had pulmonary hyperplasia, which mm-hmm. is basically damage to the alveoli in the lungs. Um, so when they go without waters for such a prolonged period of time, they get like plasticky, the lungs. Yeah, okay. So they don't expand. And if there's any nurses or doctors listening to this and I'm explaining this wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm trying. <laughs> you're actually, I'm a nurse and you're teaching me. So <laughs> It's like, the, yeah, they call it, they also call it hyperplastic lungs. Yeah. Um, and they, they are, they're stiff and they're rigid where normally obviously they soft and they expand and yep. they move with the air. Yep. Um, and the little alveolis, normally they're, the, you know, these tiny little sacs that line the inside of the lungs. And when they have pulmonary hyperplasia, well, actually, I don't even know if it comes under pulmonary hyperplasia or if this is a separate thing altogether, but he also had um, cystic lesions. So okay. the the alveoli were, instead of being all these tiny uniform little sacs, some of them were big, like big bubbles. Okay. Um, and when they're like that, as the blood gets drawn into the lungs and obviously they do the transfer of oxygen, the oxygen isn't, it, they don't work efficiently. So they avoid those areas. The body knows that those areas don't work properly and it sends the blood elsewhere. Okay. So then the lungs aren't oxygenating the blood properly. properly. Right. So you did good at explaining so that. No, but like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 And like, that's part of the reason Toby's was more complicated. Yeah, it was than a complex just, story. Yeah. 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 There was lots of things going on in his lungs yeah. on top of just the, the normal chronic lung disease, which is obviously difficult and terrible yeah. to deal with anyway. Anyway. Yeah. But it just made it so much harder. Yeah. Um, most of his lung issues, you, they think, did they think came down to the pee problem? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's um, that's another weight for you to carry as well. Like, do you feel some of that? I'm not too bad with that one. Okay. I know a lot of preemie mums feel like their bodies failed them and it's frustrating. But I don't know that I feel guilty of that because that was completely out of my control. Yeah. Well, all um, of this was though. All of this was out of your yeah, control. Yeah, it was. The one thing that I do feel that I carry with carry is... Should we have delivered him earlier? Okay. So yeah. because the prolonged rupture can cause the yeah. pulmonary hyperplasia, okay. yeah. I sort of think that I ended up on birth suite, I think three times in total. And I sort of think, should we have just delivered him the first time I ended up there? Yeah. Would that have given like, him a better chance? Yeah. yeah. Especially because, and I mean, we didn't know this at the time because obviously when you're having scans and you've got no waters, the scans are so yeah, they, hard they to see They don't tell anything. you what's going to happen, do they? <laughs> no. And they thought he was smaller than he was, but knowing now how big he was, he yeah. probably would have been robust enough to be okay. Yeah. But obviously they want them to stay in for as long as possible at that gestation. Yeah, it's such so, a, yeah juggle isn't you don't it know. You, and you don't and know hindsight hey you look at <laughs> you look at other prom stories and some mums rupture before 20 weeks and go till yeah, you know into term. the late 20s yeah. or the early 30s yeah. yep they make it almost a term kind of thing and their babies are fine yeah it's just lack of the draw like yeah. it really is yeah luck you, you never, it, you, like whether you, if only they could predict when when you did pee prom the chances then yeah obviously yeah, it would exactly. change it would change so much but yeah yeah you just don't know you just can't know 
know how to manage that situation, but yeah, yeah they, we just did what we could with the information we had, I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. So talk us through the day, that day then of saying goodbye. Um, how did it happen? What, what happened? I know you got to have a beautiful cuddle. Yeah. So that day he was not doing well. He was not not saturating adequately and he was having huge desats for really prolonged periods. So he was dropping down into like the forties, low forties. Um, and he wouldn't, he would take hours to recover. Like it was just, we're all sitting there watching his sats and waiting for them to climb and it just wasn't moving. Um, so, you know, hours would go by before he'd even kind of get back up to a more acceptable level, which for him was acceptable, but for most babies was not acceptable. Um, especially at his age, you know, he wasn't a newborn anymore. He was nearly seven months old. So he required more oxygen. But even that in itself Um, shows that he's, you know, if it wasn't a decision that you made, there was likely no coming back from that. Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing we, part of the reason that we, like, we did do it the way we did it was because if we hadn't have had a planned extubation, it was going to happen at yeah. some point and it, it would have been an emergency. Been traumatic, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, we might not have been there. Yeah. We would have been rushing to get to the hospital before he died. Yeah. And we probably would have got there and he would have already gone. Yes. Um, and I know that's happened to many yeah. parents like in the same kind of boat as us long-term yeah. lung issues um and we didn't want that, that we wanted him to feel safe and be with us and although it made making that decision is the worst thing I'll ever have to do in my life um I am at peace with that we were with him yeah he would you know it was all calm they there was no um, brutal attempts at resuscitating yeah. him yeah. like they break they break ribs they yeah. you know no, it's, it's not, not no. it's not nice no. and in that situation I actually said to Harley that day which I don't know if I've told anybody this yeah. um, but I when he was having this huge episode and everyone's standing around and you know the consultants and like we were mixing with consultants from other children's hospitals as yeah. well yeah. um so it wasn't just like the one team like it was a mix Multiple. Yeah. um and they're they're saying you know there's we there's nothing else we can do we just have to wait and see what happens and it's so hard everyone's staying there like feeling like they need to do something and there's nothing yeah and we walked out of the room for a minute because it's so stressful obviously and I said to Harley I feel like we need to start thinking about what we're doing here like are we prolonging something that, yeah. you know, are it's, we being yeah. cruel? Yeah. yeah. He's the amount of drugs he was on to keep, like he had to be basically in a coma because if he slightly roused, yeah. he would fight the machine yeah. and it was just catastrophic for him. Yeah. So yeah, the doctors took us in that afternoon and said, he's dying. Like this is, this is happening and it will either happen in a kind of catastrophic event or we can deal with it in a more planned way. So that's, yeah, that's that's what we decided to do. Um, 
and yeah, so we, we, you know, we got to spend as long as we wanted with him before it happened. And yeah, we were in a, you know, a private room and we spent the night with him and, um, family came in as well. The girls came in. Um, and yeah, it was horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Once again, again, not something you can ever imagine. No, it's just, I, you know, I never, I never would have thought that I would be ever doing something like that with my child. Um, yeah, but we had, you know, we spent the night with him and, um, yeah, then the next day was like the hardest. It happened overnight. So we, um, I woke up, he was on the bed with us on the cool mat and I woke up to him and Harley, well, Harley asleep and that, you know, hit me like, because at first it kind of was like just co-sleeping with a baby. Yeah. And then I sort of, you know, reality hit and I was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. this is this isn't a dream. This is real. This, this is, has happened. You're living the nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it happened. Like you said, you know, with your two full-timers, you, you co-slept and that was such a natural thing. And the fact that you, the three of you were there doing that. Yeah, it was nice. How safe and loved he would have felt. Um you know, it was always going to be an awful situation, but for you to be able to make it something so, yeah, peaceful for him and for you, yeah. And after, too, we, we bathed him, which is quite a common thing yeah. when a baby passes yeah. or, like, if a baby is stillborn, um, it's offered to the parents to bathe them. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, you know, it's just, I guess it's like a last act of yeah. caring for your baby. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we just spent time with him and took prints and yeah. all the, all the, everything we could possibly do. And my, it sounds a bit funny to say this, but I kind of had a mantra through all of it. And I kept saying it to myself that even if it's scary, do it anyway. Because doing some of those things are terrifying. Like, waking up to your cold stiff baby and I wanted to pick him up and hold him but I was so scared because it had been a little while by that point so he was stiff and I was terrified to pick him up so so terrified but I was like do it anyway because this is your last chance you will regret it if you don't do it Mm -hmm. and all the things that I like wanted to do but I was just really scared to do um, and, you know, you feel a bit awkward taking photos of this situation. Yeah. But I was like, do it anyway. You don't have to look at them, yeah. but they're there if you want them. Yeah. And so, yeah, through it all, I just kept saying, do it anyway. Do yeah. it anyway. You're incredible, <laughs> and Jay. You're just, yeah. I'm, glad I, I'm glad I did it. Oh, absolutely. now that time has passed, I know... I feel at peace that I did all everything that I could. Like we took a lock of hair. We did all the, we did print ink prints. We did clay impressions. Um, I got the funeral home to arrange like molds of his hands and feet. So I've got actual casts like proper, I can hold them. Um, And I've 
I've touched them once. I looked, I opened one, one of his hands and looked at it and then put it all away. And it took me months to even do that. But and I still, but you've got it. You've got that. I've and, got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's no, and that's all that matters. That. You yeah. don't have to. And I feel like that's something that a lot of lost parents, they say no, because they're scared. And I totally obviously get that. Yeah. Like I'm shaking yeah. now talking about yeah. all of this stuff, Yeah. but down the track, you'll, you'll want it. Yeah. It might be, it could even be 10 years down the track, Yeah. but you will want it one day. Yeah. So I feel like that, I mean, God forbid anybody listening to this ever has to do any of this, yeah. but, but the I feel like it's there. just, yeah. there's options. There are options that people don't realize. Don't know and about. Yeah. And it's important it's to important. have these conversations because otherwise yeah. if it does happen, like you said, God forbid, it, you don't know. And then years down the track and go, I wish I had known about that or I wish I had done that. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you feel lost, like you're so overwhelmed. There's yeah. so much. And like you said, in that moment, that's the last thing you feel like you should be doing. Like I shouldn't be doing these things that it feels so unnatural. But um yeah, exactly. And you you just you the shock. It's your not, head yeah. is just yeah, yeah it's yeah. just yeah. you can't think straight yeah. and and you shouldn't have to. And I do feel like there is a little bit of a lack um someone needs to make some of those decisions for you I feel like sometimes yeah. they should just say we're doing this and yeah, yeah to take that yeah, pressure I, off of your I mind know. I yeah. feel like sometimes they shouldn't really ask parents yeah. if they want to do it they should, should say just... we should do this now yeah. and like encourage it to be done because I, I just heard, I've just heard so many stories of parents walking away like you know weeks later going oh I wish we had have done that yeah we should say um, yes to that yeah. Because they were just, you know, and they just can't think straight in those moments. They can't think properly. It's just so hard. Yeah. So, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's so difficult. And that's why it's so important. Like, that's why I'm so proud of you for coming on and sharing this because, yeah, you are offering that insight that you just don't know these things until yeah, you, you no. hear about them. Yeah. Um, and even if people listening, you know, one day have a friend or a yeah. family member or something that is close to them and comes to them for support and they can yes. offer yeah. some guidance. Yeah. Um, I actually had someone contact me after Toby passed and their baby passed away. And she asked me, the things that I did and what she should do. And I, I told her everything we did. Um, and one of the things was I, I rec cause they couldn't get heartfelt at the time. Yeah. And I, I recommended getting photos after death yeah. with the baby yeah. and she was scared and she was terrified. And I, and I said, I know it's scary, but even if you just get some, like, even if it's not with you, with the family or holding her or anything, just, get some photos of her even yeah. like just whatever you can muster yeah but I promise you you will you will not regret getting those photos yeah and she miss she messaged me later and she's like I'm so glad you told me Talk to do to that you. um yeah. yeah and she was she's like I treasure them so much and yeah yeah and I was just like oh if that is the only person I ever give yeah. guidance to I feel like and you took like you something. were the one you were yeah exactly you were the one that took that pressure off of that decision off of them as well you do want to like turn to someone and say should I do this but in that moment you don't have the capacity to do that and it feels taboo as well yeah. because we're so we hide so much about death it feels like we shouldn't be taking photos of yeah. dead people yeah. and we shouldn't be 
doing these things with our baby after they've passed and if yeah it feels like you're doing something that's wrong yeah but it's not wrong it's it's right (laughs) it's the opposite it's so right yeah so leading on from that perfect moment to talk about taking Toby home so this was something that you also shared um I remember you sharing it on your Instagram stories and there is a lot of taboo about something like this and I, I almost I don't remember what it was but there was a story and I think you were almost explaining why it was so right for you and I just loved that because I, I imagine yeah. that some of your followers were just like what what is this um but you just have opened like you've, you've taught me so much you've opened my eyes to stuff that I just didn't even know was possible so yeah talk us through taking Toby home explain to people like that option after death um and what you did with him in those days so typically, um, not all hospitals, but some hospitals offer a cuddle cot, which is a, a cooled cot to keep the body cold. Yeah. Um, and that's immediately after, like they'll go home straight after and take the baby. Yeah. But we weren't offered that and I didn't really know about it. I'd sort of, I'd heard of a cuddle cot, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't really understand. And because of everything I was, yeah, like my brain was mush. Yeah. Um, but we were we went into lockdown two days after Toby died, which was the icing on the cake because mm. obviously we couldn't then have a proper funeral. Yeah, yeah. So this kind of came out of that out of that happening. Um, we ended up embalming Toby to hold off the funeral. We were hoping because it was supposed to be a week long lockdown, and then it was like only meant to be two weeks. And so we were like, maybe we can get out the other side of this lockdown and have our funeral that we want. Yeah. Um, so we chose to embalm him, which keeps the body preserved for longer. Um, so yeah, we did that. And then she suggested if we wanted to bring Toby home because we were waiting so long for the funeral. Um, and I was like terrified again. I was so scared. I was like, cause also embalming, they do look slightly different. So it isn't you know, it's not quite the same. Um, and I was, I'd heard some horror stories, like people had said that they didn't look at all like their person and it was kind of traumatic. So I was really worried about that. And I said to her, like, she said, do you want to bring him home for the, on the Friday and we'll pick him up on the Sunday or the, or something like that. And I was like, Oh, I'm really nervous that I'm not going to be okay with it and that it's going to be too long. So she said, how about, you know, if it's not okay, you can ring me and we'll pick him up whatever day, yeah. like whenever you want. Yeah. So she was really great like that. Yeah. Um, and we ended up having him for about four or five days. In the end, I kept mm-hmm. delaying it. I was like, can yeah. we keep him a bit yeah. longer? Can we keep him a bit longer? Yeah, I'm not ready. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. Yeah. And um, he was kind of like a doll, really. Like, yeah he felt and sort of looked like a doll um but obviously like a Toby doll um he his lips were a little bit plumper than they were (laughs) beforehand which I know is probably so weird for people for me to laugh about he just looked like he'd had a bit of Botox um (laughs) he was just it was just a bit poutier but um he still looked like him it wasn't weird um it wasn't scary it wasn't traumatizing yeah um and 
yeah, we like we got to have him home, and obviously he didn't. He never got to come home, so no. that was a huge thing for me. I was going to say the fact that your girls hadn't spent much time with him either was that something that was important for you? Then once, how did they go with that? So Ella. She's not long turned six and she was a little bit more funny about it, but she was a little bit more funny with everything through the whole journey. Like Mm. she was quite scared when he was in the incubator. Um, She noticed all the cords and the wires and the understanding. Yeah. 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 So for her, it was all a little bit more like, Oh, okay. And then him coming home, she was a bit like, Oh, I don't know if I want to touch him. And I'm like, that's okay. You don't have to touch him. And we, we were, you know, you do what you feel comfortable with. Yeah. We didn't push them Following for anything. Her, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously we wanted it to be healing, not traumatizing. Yeah. 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 Um, Millie, on the other hand, she was three and a half. Yeah. Um, and she was just like, that's my baby brother. Aww. I'm going to cuddle him and kiss him and do him. whatever. Yeah. And she was like that through the whole Miku journey as well. Like yeah. she saw past the tubes, saw past yeah. the wires, was just like, oh, that's my cute little baby brother. I love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she would like sit on the couch holding Toby watching TV, just like she would have wow. if everything had have gone the way it should yeah. have. Yeah. And she'd be like, can I hold Toby now? And, you know, she'd just sit there and watch a show and stroke his face and just. just, Gives me such goosebumps. It's just so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny seeing like a a three-year-old, they don't have this preconceived fear of death. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, you know, this this cultural thing that we've grown up with. Society does, yeah. 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 So so they don't have that. And she's just like, that's my brother and I love him and I don't, care about anything else like I'm not scared of him he's my brother like it's and it was just so beautiful and Mm. I think really healing for her and also helped her understand because she's obviously at an age where death is a very difficult thing to understand like even as an adult it's Mm. hard to comprehend so I feel like for her that really helped her understand like you know he wasn't waking up he wasn't moving um it yeah it helped solidify that yeah he was he was gone and she understands yeah yeah um so yeah yeah, I think it was really healing and really important for them and as the days went on Ella started touching him and was becoming more and more comfortable with him and we had him on a bed in our spare room and there's a toilet in that room which was the one that we mostly used so every night they'd go to the toilet before bed and they'd see him in there and say goodnight to him and then the night after he left that day Ella went to go to the toilet and I was putting Millie to bed and she came back in and started crying and was like I, I forgot that Toby was gone and I just oh. wish he could stay. Yeah. And yeah. they both, you know, were like, oh, we wish he could stay like that forever. And I was like, yeah, I know. I, I wish to. And, yeah. and we had him cremated. So I had to explain to them that he was going to be cremated, but obviously didn't want to explain what happens. Cause yeah. I feel like that's a bit scary for yeah. them. Yeah. So I just said, he's going to be turned into dust. Yeah. Um, and then we will keep his dust forever. Yeah. So he'll still be there with you and just in a different form. Yeah. 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 I just kind of had to kind of explain where he was going and why he yeah. was leaving. Because they do, they take everything so literal. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very difficult to navigate. And yeah. obviously where, when you're in this situation, you're flying blind because unless you've had to deal with it before, but, yeah. you know, most people haven't. 
so it's and like you said you just have to do what's right for you in that situation and yeah 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 no no one can tell you what's right no no and you've got to go with your gut and just yeah yeah and like we had we had some people horrified at us for bringing Toby home um they were like horrified and thought we were damaging our children and yeah okay. I I I say the proof is in the pudding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. have coped really well with it. Um, and I mean, that's obviously not to say perfectly because well, no one there's copes always, perfectly. No. no. Um, but it's definitely helped them yeah. to comprehend it all. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you share your journey with grief so beautifully. Um, and this sounds a little bit weird to say as well, but as someone on the outside looking in, I just adore the way you honour Toby and include him in your days, even now. So I want to just ask how you've sort of navigated the past year with your grief and how are you now? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that I think a lot of the time is kind of partially subconscious for me. Um, I know some people tend to be more, um, they just feel really sad all the time. And I don't find I feel like that as much, but I also don't know if that's because we've had a really whirlwind kind of time since Toby died. There's been just so many things happening and like just other things going wrong as well. So I feel like... I haven't really had a chance to breathe as well on top of it all. We did have a little period over like summer where we went on lots of holidays and that was really good, but I was feeling really great then. Um, I do tend to go into survival mode a lot and just kind of like, you know, I just have to, Yeah. yeah, just get on with things. But then I have days where it just hits me like a ton of bricks. So it's just very up and down. Um, I do feel like because of the way our journey went, there is some peace with what happened. Um, you know, it wasn't a sudden shock death. It wasn't surprising. We, his whole life, or even when he was still in the womb, there was always the risk he was going to die. So I'd kind of had pretty much a year of not knowing if he would survive and almost you're almost grieving from the start as well like you do yeah you grieve the loss of all the stuff that couldn't could have and should have been so you're doing that from the get-go really yeah and almost preparing yourself for that from the start like through his life I was always terrified it would happen so I was effectively grieving some some of that while he was still here um and one of the things I actually didn't say when when he passed was afterwards I just felt this huge wave of peace come over me like it was the most bizarre thing and I, I don't even know how to explain it but I just I felt so at peace with everything and him and he was so perfect and which is it's just so strange like you'd think I would just be distraught but I mean obviously I had been crying on and off all day yeah but um for days weeks um but I just felt so much peace and he he passed incredibly quickly after yeah like we knew he was he was done he'd had enough yeah um 
And I think that then carries over to the mourning and the grieving that it was right. Um, So there's less of that, yeah, less of that, um, I I don't even know what word I would use. Well, that did we make the right decision, like worrying? No, well, there still is. (laughs) (laughs) There still is. I still question it all the time. So he was ready, do you think? Yeah, well, I do, and I do feel that. But yeah, I still, I still question it and still, like I said, carry guilt, but I don't know. I just, I feel like the grieving side of it is a bit different. um, Yeah. Okay. Because of that piece around it and knowing that there was no more that could be done kind of thing where I guess if someone dies quickly, suddenly out of nowhere, you know, shockingly kind of thing, or even early in a prem journey, like maybe they don't feel like they got the chance to fight yeah. for them. Yeah. Or even spend um, that time. And, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. on one hand, you know, we're lucky. We got seven months with him. We've got videos and photos and we got to see him start smiling and mm. starting to talk and, you Become know, his own like, little person. Yeah. yeah he had yeah. personality. So yeah. on one hand, we're lucky that we got that. But then on the other hand, you know, it could be harder because we had that. It's yeah. Who yeah. knows? Who like knows? it's it's yeah. just <laughs> yeah. You just don't know. I mean, and it's always no. every situation has its own. You know, obviously losing a child, no matter what, it's yeah. Yeah, you just, just yeah. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, and I think the fact that you you know you did take those extra steps and saying like you said saying yes to all the stuff that was uncomfortable. I think that will have helped your your grief in a way. Um, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it's definitely helped accept everything and and yeah. feel like we did all we could kind of thing. But yeah. yeah, obviously it's it's an ongoing thing. It's some days are fine, some days yeah. are not. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it it'll be. There's obviously milestones that are difficult. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's one of those things that you move with and you grow with. Um, yeah. it never goes away yeah. and it just changes over time yeah so yeah yeah and I I mean I, I've heard some people say it gets harder after the first year so yeah I don't know what's in store <laughs> coming but yeah you know it, we just gotta ride it it's the way we gotta ride <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, yeah, it will obviously soon be a year since Toby left his earthly body and you honour him so beautifully every day, but do you have any sort of plans for his anniversary or are you just going to see how you're feeling and wing it? What are you sort of planning to do? We haven't got any plans at this point. Um, I'm not sure if we will do anything in particular. For his first birthday, I actually always thought that we would go back to the place we had his funeral which is actually like a wedding venue um but I chose it because it has huge amounts of windows looking out over the hills and because he was in a hospital all his life I really wanted it to feel kind of outdoorsy and like he's surrounded by nature yeah yeah because he didn't get that so I always kind of thought for his first birthday we would go back there and have a bit of a memorial with everybody that couldn't come to the funeral yeah but I did not have it in me Uh, it felt too hard yeah. at that time so we just went away as a family to the beach uh so I've considered maybe we would do that for his one year yeah. um anniversary but yeah it's so hard to know and I do find for some reason 
anniversaries it's funny it's almost like the clock ticks over and it's hard <laughs> like yeah it's almost yeah. like calendar days yeah. like yeah you can be fine the day before and then the day hits and you're just suddenly drowning in grief yeah. and it's, it's it's bizarre. Not to plan like, anything, not knowing, yeah, what you're yeah, gonna, so how you're going to feel. Yeah, I'll probably wait till we get a bit closer to the date and see. Yeah, see how I'm feeling, but um, yeah, I definitely want to do something to honour him, but whether yeah. it be something kind of bigger or something just smaller, yeah. just got to go with how you feel. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, I think we're nearly there. Is there anything else you'd like to say or anything you want to share for other families who might be going through this or, yeah, anything you want to add? Um, mostly just, yeah, do the hard things. Yes, yeah. That's if you're ever in a situation where, where it feels, where it's hard, do the hard things. Yeah. As long as you know that, you know, down the track, that's something that you will want. Yep. Um, but if it feels a bit uncomfortable, I was so out of my comfort zone, that whole mm-hmm. 48 hours or whatever it was. Yep. Um, and then when we brought him home too from the funeral home, I was not comfortable. It was not pleasant. Well, when he, you know, once we got him home, it was pleasant. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, the thought of doing a lot of those things were really difficult. It was scary. And it was yeah. uncomfortable, but yeah. uh, in the end, it was worth it. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautifully said. I do just worry. I, I hope I didn't sound like too, like I'm some kind of martyr. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Cause Not at all. I just, like, I just, you know, talking about that I, I did all this stuff and it was the right thing. And I just, I know that um, especially people that have already lost children can feel a bit like they should have done these yeah. things like yeah. I wish I had have done that and I but on the other hand that's why that's I share why it's it important. because <laughs> yeah. yeah because yeah. I know of people that have regrets and I I want the, the other, people other people to not, not have those yeah. regrets so it's it's tricky yeah and the only way to change that is to educate and to raise awareness and that's exactly what we're doing here so now I think yeah don't question yourself get out of your own head (laughs) (laughs) I just don't want to you know upset people but yeah in order to educate people I have to tell the story yeah and it's your story and that's why I ask for your insight on certain things because it's you it's your experience going through this it's no one else's yeah and it's so individual yeah it's so individual and it's not to be like um compared yeah yeah no you should be very proud thank you All right. Thank you, Jade. This has been an absolute honour. Like I said, I've followed you guys um, very closely from the start and Toby will always hold hold a very special place in my heart. Um, He stands out in my mind as one of those few that really touch your heart and like I still remember so much about him, which is beautiful. Um, Yeah, it's nice. It's nice for me too to know that people remember Mm. him and his memory lives on in other people as well not just his family yeah and in people you've never met like yeah it's it's huge yeah it is and I feel very blessed that you've come on and had a chat with me today and shared his story and you're gonna make a huge difference to so many so thank you no thank you for having me and yeah thank you for letting me tell Toby's story because yeah it's it's important feels important yeah (laughs) it, it is yeah well done Thank you. And thank you for doing the podcast too, because it's (laughs) helping so many people. Yeah, thank you. 
Okay guys, instead of my typical outro at the end of an episode, today I wanted to spend some time talking about PPROM. So June is actually PPROM Awareness Month and it feels fitting that we've managed to sneak Jade's episode into this month. I guess I want to just quickly give you some info and stats to help raise awareness. So for those that aren't aware, PPROM stands for Preterm Premature Rupture of Membranes. So it's basically when your waters break spontaneously during pregnancy before 37 weeks gestation. This actually occurs in approximately 4% of pregnancies and is the leading identifiable cause of preterm birth, associated with 40% of preterm deliveries. So every 16 minutes, a mother is diagnosed with PPROM. This statistic represents so many of our raw mamas, myself included. So the interval between PPROM and onset of labour is highly variable and influenced by so many factors, but it's said that women have a 50% chance of going into labour within 24 to 48 hours, which was the case for me, and then there's a 70 to 90% chance of going into labour within seven days. However, the time period before birth is generally longer if PPROM occurs between 24 and 28 weeks gestation. I do wonder if this is because we put so much effort into making sure that we can keep them on the inside for as long as possible, but yeah, who knows. So when your waters break early, obviously the sterile sac surrounding your baby is broken and this leaves both the mother and the baby vulnerable to serious infection. Intra-amniotic infection occurs in a huge 25-50% to of PPROM cases. Other risks associated with PPROM and neonatal mortality include bleeding, cord prolapse, placental abruption, and as mentioned earlier, the lack of fluid can also delay the baby's lung development and cause pulmonary hyperplasia, as was the case with Toby. It is so important that mothers are aware to seek medical attention immediately if they suspect their waters have broken early and to monitor for signs of infection. If you wish to know more, I've personally found the PPROM Foundation to be a great resource. This foundation is based in the US, but sadly, as always, we don't have much happening in this space here in Australia. All right, that's all from me. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Next week, I chat to my very own mama and I gain her insight as both a mum and a nana who has experienced all the things alongside us over the past eight-ish years. She's already started writing down some memories she has and I know she has taken on a lot of our pain. It makes me quite emotional even thinking about this chat with her. But I know she will provide a valuable insight into how NICU and special needs parenting affects someone who has a different relationship and perspective than us as parents. I've spoken about my mum here quite a bit in past episodes and how she's my very biggest supporter and my best friend. So yeah, if you have any questions for my mum, please send them through to us and I'll be sure to ask her next week. Or if you want to hear any topic in particular with her, um, yeah, I'd love to hear. But until then, have the best week, share the love, stay warm, and I'll see you all again next week. Bye.